0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. From the executive producing team of Terrence Malick, Natalie Portman, and Chris Fire comes this wonderful, haunting, and unflinching debut feature documentary called *The Seventh Fire*. It was directed by Jack Riccobono. Uh, it's it's about uh, a a gang member by the name of Rob Brown, who is sentenced to prison for his fifth term. He must confront his role in bringing violent drug culture into his beloved American Indian community, Pine Point uh, uh, Indian Reservation. It, it's a very compelling, interesting documentary about what is going on on this particular reservation, but I can only imagine it's a story being repeated all over this country and reservations across the United States. But we are fortunate to have with us today the director of the film, The Seventh Fire, Jack Bono, Jack, welcome to Film School. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, it is... It's a it's a difficult film, but it's uh, but it's true to its its subject. It's true to, to to where you were. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved in the making of the Seventh Fire.
1: Sure. Well, I, I had made a short documentary about eight years ago on the same reservation, the uh, White Earth Reservation in northern Minnesota. And about two years after I finished that project, uh, my producing partner on this film read about this phenomenon of gang culture migrating from inner cities and prisons out to remote Native communities across the country. And so we started to look into it, and there was very little information out there. And so eventually I said, let me go back to the community where I know some people and see, you know, is it happening there? And will people talk to me about it? Uh, Because this You know, this sort of mixing of subcultures, the gang culture, sort of getting a foothold in Native American communities was was a very kind of new chapter and story to um, the evolution of of gang culture. And uh, there really hadn't been much done on it before.
0: And at what point uh, did you decide that, or how did you come to meet uh, the the two primary people in this film, uh, Rob Brown and Kevin, um
1: yeah. So Rob, I met on on the first research trip that I did, which was in October of 2010, and I visited the uh, the tribal college. And Rob had recently been released from his uh, fit, uh, fourth trip to prison, um, and you know he went through 39 foster families as a child, and then the juvenile system and then in and out of prison, which is what introduced him to the gang life. And, um, you know, we we sort of hit it off right away, and he uh, has this sort of epic, you know, literary quality to him and this ability to um, really reflect on what's going on and his circumstances while still in many ways being trapped by them. So he was, you know, he was in his mid-30s and just was um, a really compelling subject, and, uh, and I knew you know soon after meeting him that you know this is this is someone who we could uh, build a story around and who could really carry a feature length project um, and It wasn't until about a year after we started filming with Rob that we met Kevin, who's seventeen who when the film starts and is really kind of like a you know protege of of Robs. He's sort of at a different point in the cycle, and you can kind of see see Rob um through Kevin's eyes yeah. you know that he's this sort of um big you know imposing um influential um you know guy who's who's his reputation precedes him and uh, so you can, I think through Kevin through his sort of 17 year old eyes you can kind of see the allure of of this lifestyle and how how Kevin sort of gets drawn into it
0: well, let, let's let's dive in a little bit. I want people to see this film. It, it, by the way, it's opening a week from today as our live broadcast is on July 22nd. It will be opening on July 29th at the Lemley Royal Theatre here in Los Angeles. You are in town, as I understand, uh, for that. Is that correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. We'll be doing a number of events at the theater, uh, including at the seven thirty screening on uh, next Friday, July twenty ninth. We'll have a special Q and A, and our main subject, Rob Brown, and executive producer Chris Ayer will be there as well.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, and so see this, uh, see this film, people, and and always, always a good idea. To see a film uh, with the the production, the people involved in the film, in this case, the director, producer, writer, and also cinematographer, director of photography, I, whatever the, the the official title would be, um, it's such an intimate film, and I, it's I'm so taken with the access that you had to these people's lives, and how I don't know if the right word is they were so open to it, it except I mean I would only qualify that by saying. Given their life circumstances, I think this is sort of what else—I mean, it's almost like—I don't know how to describe it. Like, why wouldn't they let you? Because there isn't a whole lot else going on in their lives. Is that an unfair characterization, well, or how did that I come mean, actually, Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's an element of that, but I also think that— um, you know it's, it's a very powerful thing just to be asked um, about your life and to sort of tell your story yeah and I know that you know Rob was at a unique point in his life where he was sort of battling between this this gang identity that he had and also his native identity which is also strong because he was raised early on by his grandfather and had you know has a real connection to his Native American culture um, so, I mean, I think, you know, for Rob, I think he saw this as an opportunity to participate in something. And, you know, he's a self-taught writer. So in his time behind bars, you know, he was working on a novel before I met him. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of production, when he got sentenced to go back for a fifth time and we follow him behind bars into the Minnesota um, correctional system, I asked him to keep a journal and he would send me these, you know, handwritten pages in the mail of um, daily observations Mm -hmm. and poems and we actually feature one of his poems in the film. So I think for for Rob, he never really had a, a kind of creative peer or someone who could kind of, he could engage with and so I think he saw this film as an opportunity for that. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of other people in the community also had just sort of never been asked, you know, what what was going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. So I think that that um, that was definitely part of what um, allowed us to to build up trust with the community. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I, I hope that didn't come off as an unkind observation. I, I just it's just it given the level of access you had in their life, it's just it 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 it, it makes the film. Uh, very compelling. A very compelling watch. And again, not to be disrespectful to them, I just... No, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no I yeah. understand. Yeah. Now, do you think in the process of making this film, over how long a period of time did you work on uh, The Seventh Fire?
1: So I did that first research trip in October of 2010, and then and then we started filming... In January of 2011, and and did 14 shoots over about a three year period.
0: You know, uh, Jack, you're exactly why I love documentary filmmakers so much. These kinds of films, where you you really you you start a project, it, it's impossible to know where it's going to take you, and yet you mm-hmm. have this sort of innate faith in the story and in the people that it will take you to a very interesting place. Did you have that sense? Is that something, is that, is that part of your DNA? Did you know that when speaking with Rob, that no matter what, it was going to take you to an interesting place with him as a subject? How, how did that work for you? Well,
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's a leap into the unknown, for sure. And, uh, you know, there are certainly scary um, aspects to that, and, and, you know, challenging moments, you know, when, when Rob got sentenced to go, back to prison we were about you know fifty percent into production and we had no idea you know what kind of access we would have to him you know from that point forward and we worked very hard with the minnesota department of corrections to become the first independent film crew that they let Inside of their prisons, so that we were able to sort of continue telling his story. Um, but you know, I think that's also what what makes it so dynamic and interesting is that you you, you aren't in control of all the elements, and um, so you have to sort of remain open to the possibilities and sort of see where things lead. And um, and that's you know that's how how documentaries can just have that that. A different quality, you know, of just life being uh, stranger than fiction,
0: and, and that is again my admiration for documentary filmmakers is so much rooted in that that idea. Not only it's just that leap of faith, and that you uh, that you have, you and other filmmakers have, and and it is it needs to be rewarded. It needs to be talked about because these are such high wire acts in so many ways. Uh, I I don't know. I have no way of knowing how many documentaries start out with a great subject subject matter. Everything seems to be going well, and then just it just go, falls apart for a lot of different reasons. Sure. And when you go no, across, of
1: course, Mike. I, I yeah. appreciate you yeah. pointing that out because it is. It's a very. I mean, in this and this um, project had a number of you know I think somewhat unique challenges on that front because. Um you know native communities uh, are often resistant to outsiders filming um and then we you know we had gang members who were using burner phones so you know every time we went out on the shoot we had to find our subjects you know it wasn't like we could say meet us on at 10am on Tuesday you know it right. was very like right. uh you know so each each time you know we didn't we didn't know exactly um what we were going to get but um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's what part that's part of what makes the process really interesting and rewarding. Also, um, just sort of the challenge of that.
0: We're speaking with director, writer, producer, and director of uh, photography for the film um, *The Seventh Fire*. That would be Jack Riccobono. Uh, he is, as I said, will be in town next week on the twenty ninth of July at the Lemley Royal Theater for a Q and A on Friday night and um, the film, again, is The Seventh Fire. You can go to theseventhfire.com to find out more about the film, and screenings and all the rest of it. Do you think that Rob Brown had a sense of his desire to, you know, that he was at the end of his sort of psycho- psychology of being able to do what he had been doing in the past when he signed on? Do you, do you, th- do you think part of his rationale was to to sort of document his attempt to get out from under where he's been for most of his adult life.
1: Yeah, I think he was definitely at a point in his mid 30s uh where, you know, he was looking for a change in his life and in one scene that's that's actually, I think, a deleted scene that's going to end up on the DVD, he actually talks about how he didn't expect to, you know, live as long as as, as he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's a real survivor. I mean, the um, life expectancy of Native American men in particular is, you know, shockingly lower than, um, you know, than other groups. and um, And so, you know, I think part of this project was also... Trying to leave some kind of legacy to his children um, and present a more complex uh, portrait of himself and and how he was able to navigate um, his you know the reality that he's in.
0: And this is something it in there's a couple of uh, observations about the film for me. It's one is that as you were al- alluded to, there are. S- the life expectancy, the levels of drug addiction and alcoholism, and the cancer, the uh, the the different maladies that are visited upon Native Americans who live on reservations in this country, is third and fourth world uh, living conditions, and it is it is shocking to see how Native Americans are are, and I think there's an assumption on on the on the part of a lot of people that a lot of those issues have either, either been addressed or they're making money off of gambling so we don't need to care about this but the reality is far from that truth uh, uh far from that to be the truth it's uh it is i'm sure for anyone who visits one of these reservations a jolt to the system
1: yeah and i think you know that that was part of our motivation to make the film was, was that this community is very out of sight and out of mind. And, and in a lot of ways, that's by design, you know, these yeah. reservations and where these communities are. Um, most Americans just don't, you know, don't have to see it and don't have to deal with it or think about um, the legacy of, of the policies of the U.S. government that have led to a lot of these issues. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's easy to focus on the kind of headline stuff of the poverty or the addiction, but those are kind of symptoms. You know, I mean that that's not the. Yeah. Uh, in in the case of Native Americans, you know that those aren't the um, underlying problems. You know, and yeah. so I think um, what we tried to do with the film is is sort of create layers so that for people who do know about the history of, you know, land allotment policies and of the boarding school era and, the, you know, the influence of Christian missionaries on reservations you know all of those things, that they can sort of see that those, those influences in, in the world today, and for those who maybe don't, you know, have all of that context, that the film could use could serve as something of a gateway, you know, to maybe, um, you know, go find out a little bit more about about how this this came to pass, because these are these are not, you know, native issues. These are these are American issues. All mm-hmm. of our taxpayer dollars support the Bureau of Indian Affairs and and perpetuates um, the system that that you know still exists to this day.
0: It is it is, and it's true. And I, you're right. This film, The Seventh Fire. Dot. And you can go to seventhfire dot to find out about this. It just is, as you said, it's a great way to sort of begin a process of understanding what's going on on American reservation, Indian reservations, and um, the film, The Seventh Fire, has gotten some remarkable uh, attention. Uh, certainly, the reviews have been excellent. I think Rotten Tomatoes, it's it was at one hundred percent, and it's close to that now. So, if people want to go online and check it out at that uh, Rotten Tomatoes, they can find out. Just what other critics think of it, um, and also, uh, not the least of which, uh, your executive producers Terrence Malick, Natalie Portman, and you, mes- you mentioned Chris Iyer- Ear. How did he say? It? I'm sorry, Chris it air. It air. Pardon it me. Air. I'm sorry. Uh, wow, on that, congratulations uh, for the production, uh, the producers involved with this. Obviously, Terrence Malick and Natalie Portman and Chris as well felt pretty strongly about being uh, a part of this project. Uh, is
1: yeah no i mean we were very fortunate to uh, to obviously have have the support of that team and um yeah chris came on board very early you know he's he was the director of uh, Smoke Signals and, um, you know, a lot of other films and is also directed for TV for Friday Night Lights. He's a very accomplished, um, director and also Native American. And, um, so we reached out to him early on and we're very excited, you know, when he, um, signed on and I, you know, we showed him some early footage and, uh, he really responded to Rob and also I think to just the, the intimacy of the, of the footage and, and how we wanted to try to go about telling the story. And um, and then I guess it was about a year after that that we were able to share some footage with Natalie and she is also, you know, I think like a lot of Americans she didn't know uh, so much about this community or what was going on with them, but, but she um, is really, you know, committed to um, raising awareness about certain issues and um, and wanted to help us get this film out into the world, which which was amazing. And it was through her that we ultimately approached uh, Mr. Malik because Natalie had done a film with him, yeah. and um, felt that he might respond to the filmmaking style and that um, you know his involvement might help us reach a larger audience so yeah. so yeah it was it was um, amazing to have that support, and we shared uh, you know rough cuts with all of our executive producers and and got creative feedback along the way
0: fantastic It's a beautiful film to look at. I think the cinematography is it's cinematic at times uh, in the film in terms of uh, framing your shots It's just beautiful to look at as well in this sort of in in furtherance of the story, certainly, but this sort of bleak uh, landscape that uh, it, there, there's a there's a compelling beauty to the way that you shot this, uh, despite some... Oh, thank you. Yeah, it really is beautiful. Um, also, yeah,
1: I mean, we, we wanted to, to sort of have the, um, you know, the landscape come through because part of what's kind of surreal about this story is that, you know, you kind of associate gang culture with, you know, cities and prisons, and, and here we have this, this kind of, uh, you know, beautiful landscape in northern minnesota with like lakes and forests and um and then in the in the middle of that you have this this kind of intense drug and gang activity um so it's it's sort of um you know that's a strange juxtaposition and it's also you know the, the land is also very important to native people so we really wanted to have that uh presence in the film
0: and I, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that this film has found its way into the highest reaches of American government. Uh, the uh, the subject of a panel discussion around your film was held at the White House, if I'm not mistaken. Is that
1: yes? Yeah, we were we, uh you know that was that was something we definitely did not see coming <laughs> but we had the the chance to screen it at the White House in March and have a you know a panel about criminal justice reform and um you know President Obama is the first sitting president to visit a federal prison and only the third sitting president to visit a Native American reservation so I think that um You know the film has has elements of obviously you know native native issues and and also because we you know filmed within the Minnesota State prison system you have this kind of unique window into what that experience is like so I I think that um, because of those elements um, you know we were extended this invitation which was of course um, you know an incredible experience and both Rob and Kevin, our, our subjects, came with us to the White House, um, you know, which was, which was really exciting, and I think a testament to this administration, you know, that they would um, bring, you know, these guys who are former gang members and, and ex-convicts, you know, bring them into the White House and have them participate in this discussion on issues.
0: Quite a remarkable story, and once again it goes back to my, my point earlier on, when you start a project... As a documentary filmmaker, this leap of faith—you, you really don't know where it's going to go—and obviously with the Seventh Fire and uh, your work and and how it's led to the involvement evol- of Natalie Portman and Terrence Malik, Chris Ayer—all these things have sort of, be- you know, started. You started a process, and you believed in it. Obviously, you believed in what you were doing. And and obviously with the the subject of Rob Brown and Kevin and all of it it just and here you are sitting in the White House, uh, with a, for a panel discussion. It's it is uh, it's it's just amazing. It's an amazing story yeah. in and of itself.
1: No, it is. It's it, and and that's you know that's kind of uh, you know you really have to kind of celebrate those moments because. It is. It's a long process, and there are many, many dark days along the way, yeah. but, um, but, you know, those, those, those moments of celebration, certainly the White House, but also, you know, just, just amazing things that happen during production or just, uh, you know, creative fulfillment of, of going through the post-production process yeah. and seeing the film come together. You know, all of those things are, are kind of what keep you going.
0: And let's not lose sight of the fact that these issues that are highlighted in the Seventh Fire continue and will continue until there's concerted effort on the part of the political class in this country and and us as citizens to say this is unacceptable, that this is not acceptable for peoples who were here for hundreds if not thousands of years before we arrived, for most of the European settlers who arrived and and others— to, for this to continue to be a legacy for these people is unacceptable, and we have to do something about it.
1: yeah, absolutely, and the, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, of work to be done, um, but I think you know again, our hope was was to sort of raise awareness yeah. and and maybe you know uh, contribute to a conversation about what's going on and and what can be done to address it.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much, uh, Jack Rico Bono, the, the, for being here today on Film School. The film is *The Seventh Fire*. Go to *TheSeventhFire*.com. You're in town on the 29th at the Lemley Royal for a Q&A for the 7:30 or 7:40. I can remember now. 7:30 uh, screening. So, yep. 7:30 screening. Is that just Friday night, not Saturday, or is that the the one one night? Or uh, you, you know? We are
1: we are going to be there on um, Saturday also. So I think okay. on a Saturday we're going to go to uh, an afternoon screening. Okay. I think it's the three o'clock. Okay. Um, and Sunday, we're going to do a, um, a panel also with an activist from Homeboy Industries. So we have a couple of events planned for the weekend. It should be cool.
0: Check out the 7 to find out all about that and this and where they'll be and, and all of that, the screenings and the panels and the rest of it. Well, congratulations, Jack, on, on the journey that has been the 7th Fire and for this wonderful documentary as well.
1: Thanks very much, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Take care. The film is The Seventh Fire, director Jack Riccobono. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar.